0: Hello friends, let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals and oftentimes life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self-help. It's actual professional counseling, but it's done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over 20,000 counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training. And this is also about accessibility, If you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person, then this could be a great solution for you. So this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. So again, accessibility. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit betterhelp.com. That's Better h-e-l-p.com slash and join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash You can see the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. Hello everyone, this is Dr. C, and I wanted to welcome you to my new set of narrated PowerPoint slides. And typically when you go to a conference or to any kind of uh, work-related uh, event where someone's giving a talk using PowerPoint um, that was sort of a sign of, of bad things to come uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some people used to call those meetings death by PowerPoint but I've been told through a good source that this might be helpful for students to understand the material and to take notes so uh, this PowerPoint is available in our class and I'm leaving these YouTube videos Of these lectures open for anyone to use um, besides students in my class if you find them helpful if you're taking a psychology course even if you're not using the same textbook that's fine if it helps you then that's great all right so the book we're using is from openstax.org this is a free and open uh, source I guess you can call it open source textbook uh, created by openstax uh, in affiliation with Rice University and a few others and uh, the reason I chose it because it's completely free online for anyone anyone to use uh, which I think is essential for today's uh, college students now that we have so much technology and so much information on the web I bet even if I offered a very expensive and good textbook students who cannot afford it will just try to get by by googling terms online and looking for online information anyway so why not just use a freely available textbook so students don't have to do that all right let's go ahead and get started and make sure you have the second edition okay all right that's me that's my uh bitmoji you'll see that maybe too much this quarter and uh, so welcome to the new uh new start of the course all right let's start at the beginning um, and one thing i won't do is just to read these slides to you that's another no-no in presentation skills you don't put too much text on a slide and then just read to your audience all right so this you can read on your own and but I do want to focus on this word right here that psychology is a science if there's one thing you remember from the first week of your psychology class is that psychology is a science just like chemistry and physics and biology all right because a scientific method is used which we'll look at in the next chapter so psychologists study the mind and behavior now what makes intro to psych so challenging is that you cannot just simplify this idea of what psychologists do because professionally speaking there's so many wide-ranging specialties and categories there are those who teach psychologists who do research psychologists who treat patients So there's a wide, and psychologists who work in business. So there's a wide variety of uh, applications of psychology. So it's really challenging, I think, to get your head around what psychology is in this kind of course. So expect that from chapter to chapter, you're going to have to put on a different set of sunglasses with a different tint to it to make sense of what you're understanding, okay? So these are just some examples of what psychologists will look at right um, obviously some um, will study the brain specifically uh, understand our consciousness right uh, memory language personality uh, this, this is just scratching the surface okay all right so it, the two things that you can remember at this point is what's going on inside our head thoughts feelings right our emotions and our actions okay all right so what you're seeing here in terms of history of psychology are perspectives all right and a perspective is basically a point of view okay it's a way of looking at our mind and behavior and there are a lot of different perspectives okay neither is more correct or uh, more let's say what's the best word better than the other they're just a different way of seeing the same thing okay so this is a timeline going from the founder of psychology the german psychologist wilhelm Wundt, who created the first psychology laboratory all the way to humanistic psychology and there are others that follow that um and think of these as waves right so One of the first waves of psychology is psychoanalytic theory. This was popularized by Sigmund Freud, who was an MD psychiatrist from Austria, right? And again, another challenge here is that you're really not given enough information to truly understand what each perspective is because we're just starting off, all right? So I just want you to keep in mind that what that perspective is. And if you don't quite get it, it's okay at this point. You just need to know some of the real real basics before we dive into these in later chapters okay all right so these two names wundt and james are normally talked about in the history of psychology in the late 1800s so we're talking about over a hundred years ago and and again we'll look at these in the next few slides and then these folks are some of the biggest names in psychology from Freud, and we're not going to talk about just all psychology in my class, okay, so you can read up on it on your own. It's just a personal choice. And we'll look at Ivan Pavlov, John Watson, and B.F. Skinner, Aslan Rogers. I hope by the end of the course that these are just not some random names, but names that represent a way of thinking about how we act and how we think, okay? So at this point, you see, I'm not even going to address each of these definitions. I'm just going to sort of give you that big picture view okay and one thing that to point out here in terms of Wilhelm Wundt and why he's so significant is that he actually created the first psych lab okay and his approach to studying psychology was called structuralism okay and what he wanted to do was to have a person look at their own conscious experience, as you can see here, and break it into various parts, into various structures, okay? In other words, what is our mind doing? And think about that word introspection. What does that normally mean? It means, well, I'm gonna sit in a room and think to myself. And that is how data was gathered, was basically people talking about what's happening in their mind, right? And you can break it down into emotions, other kinds of thoughts, ideas, etc. Okay, So you can read later in the textbook and you can pretty much figure out that this was not the, the most scientific way to study the human mind and think about why that is. Okay, Could it be that we don't really know consciously what's happening in our mind? What we report may not be totally truthful either. Now William James is... One of the uh, first well-known psychologists in the United States, and his approach to learning about psychology was called functionalism. Okay, and fu- think about the, what the word "function" means. It's it's about purpose. Okay, how does something work? So the idea here is, and again, these are very basic definitions here, without without a lot of detail, is those things that are going on to our mind. What do they actually help us to do? right this is a more practical perspective okay, in terms of uh, what our mind is capable of doing as opposed to just thinking about what the different parts of our mind is doing in terms of uh, structuralism okay now we move into psychoanalytic theory and Sigmund Freud who is from the country of Austria okay so if he were to have an accent he might sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't really know. Okay, I'm just kidding there. All right. So, the reason he is so popular today and there are so many references to his name, oh, that was so Freudian, is because and even though it's very controversial, his ideas are very controversial. Is because a lot of his concepts about the mind and how it works and about our behavior we kind of still use in our everyday lives right so just to give you a little foreshadowing here are you in denial right is an alcoholic in denial i'm not an alcoholic i just drink and i can quit at any time right that whole concept is from freud the idea that oh something traumatic happened to this person they must have repressed that memory and I don't remember it anymore, right? That also came from Freud, okay? And so the idea that we have an ego, right? That concept came from Freud, but it might mean something different than you might think in terms of what ego means, okay? Um, You may think about uh, the idea that, well, this is an L by the way, slips of the tongue. Okay, what does that mean? Maybe you said something accidentally, just sort of the word popped out, and you didn't really mean for it to pop out. You think of it as an accident, but is that really an accident, right? All of these kinds of everyday things came from Freud. Also, just the idea of studying that our dreams mean something. They represent something. That also came from Freud, okay? So that's why he's a significant figure, even though a lot of his ideas cannot really be proven, but you'll read about that later. All right, so his theory is called psychoanalytic theory. His form of therapy, which uses the couch as you see here, is called psychoanalysis, okay? That's the therapy. Psychoanalytic is the name for the theory. And the main thing, the one word you want to remember from chapter one was that he believed that our mind has different levels and it's kind of easy to relate to it even though it's difficult to prove right that we have an unconscious layer that many of our childhood or past experiences or traumatic experiences are stored down there and the reason that we don't have easy access to it is because if we were constantly reminded of these past experiences we cannot function right so there are different parts of our mind battling all the time to keep us sane to keep us feeling normal right and then at some points when those other parts darker parts of our mind take over then that's a case where uh, we're no longer stable right? we're becoming more unstable okay and the only way to fix that is to dig back into those repressed memories into the unconscious mind and to resolve those conflicts of the past okay And to do that, you lie in a sofa like this, staring at the ceiling, while Freud sits here taking notes, okay? On his paper tablet, okay? And there's actually a reason for this, right? Whereas in today's counseling, you just sit in a chair facing your counselor and talk to each other, making eye contact. But there was a specific reason why the client who's laying down here is facing upwards. look at the ceiling okay and we will dive into that later so i'll just leave that as a teaser as to well what the heck is this for but you'll see this sort of set up in many movies that uh, utilize this idea of psychoanalysis and there are still some who practice this form of therapy today but it's not quite as popular as it once was all right now we're jumping into behaviorism so if you remember that slide from before with the history of psychology After the psychoanalytic movement, and there's some overlap, of course, behaviorism became very popular. Okay, behaviorism. Okay, and one example of behaviorism was Pavlov, who was a Russian physiologist, and we'll talk about him more later. I can talk. I can spend an hour talking about this right now, but I'm trying not to. So don't worry about all of this right now. Okay, that's that's a lot, and I don't even know why they even bother with all of this at in chapter one it's a little too early for getting into the nitty-gritty of how classical conditioning works but the basic idea is that we learn through association okay by combining things together right and without again going into the details of how it happens I'm sure you can observe this in your everyday life right there are certain sounds that or things that we see we'll call those stimuli Okay that's plural stimulus is singular right this is basically anything that our senses can pick up something we see feel by touch hear okay just anything out there and what happens is over time we learn conditioning means learning one way of learning is by combining things that we see and hear with a reaction Okay, you see the word response in here? So a stimulus causes a reaction, right? So when you're driving, you see a green traffic light that gives you a reaction to accelerate. You see red, your reaction is to stop, right? You see the McDonald's symbol. Your reaction might be like the dog. You might start drooling just by seeing it, right? That is an example of classical conditioning right there. Once you learn how this happens, And you see this at home with your pet all the time, right? You go toward the door. Your dog starts going crazy. You hold the leash. They go even more crazy because they know what's happening. What's coming up next, right? Um, You just shake the box of the uh, dog biscuits and your dog jumps up and down. And it it can happen with a cat as well. We used to have a cat a long time ago. And I swear our cat would bark like a dog when there was food coming. (laughs) Okay, very strange. And I, I taught the cat to fetch as well. I know it's kind of weird but we did that okay so this is basically the idea think of the letter s and r stimulus reaction or stimulus response and that was a shorthand for this theory stimulus response theory that is there are things that happen in our environment right Whether there's food other kinds of things that make sounds and we tend to pick up new habits this way new reactions right so let me give you one last example, and then we'll study more of this later on. Is that, do you have an association with particular songs? Right? Do some songs make you joyful? Do some songs make you sad? Right? I'm not an artist. Okay. And if you think about it, our reactions, may we may have trained ourselves to react that way to certain songs because of this process called, class of conditioning okay that's a mess all right let's move on okay so that's Pavlov so there was an old Domino's Pizza commercial where the Domino's pizza person rang the doorbell and then a bunch of guys started running through the door with their tongues hanging out right so that's basically sort of playing on this popular Pavlovian response now Watson what you need to know is that he was the founder. I don't like the word father, but he was the founder of behaviorism, okay? And this is what I want you to know about behaviorism, this whole field of psychology that was very dominant. And even myself, when I think about behavior, I tend to think about it more or less through behaviorist principles. All right, this is why. To be scientific and objective, right? and these behaviors want to be taken seriously as scientists, how can you really study what's inside the mind, right? That's so unreliable. You can't ask someone how they're feeling and all that, right? People lie, people don't know. So the only objective right, scientific way to study behavior is to see, is to study what you can see, or observable behavior, right? I can ask you where are you are gonna be on a Tuesday morning right and you can answer me but how reliable is that answer or what I can do is to actually follow you in a non-creepy way and look at what you're doing right document that behavior that is objective how many times did the person go to work this week we have it documented right how many times were they late it was documented it's objective right so you don't get that information by asking, you get that information by observing, okay? So, basic idea, the brain is a black box, okay? Sort of like the airplane's black box. We cannot study as behaviors what's inside. We can only study what's happening outside the black box, okay? So we can study actions, right? we can study uh the situations where the actions take place okay Uh, we can study the consequence of an action so all of our actions also have a consequence okay um but that's behaviorism in general okay so watson what we're going to learn later his form of behaviorism was very similar to Pavlov. He used classical conditioning. So don't worry about this yet. This is for the next page, okay? So when we talk about actions having consequences, we're talking about Skinner. B.F. Skinner's famous psychologist who invented the Skinner box. That's what this is, okay? And uh, how I'm dating myself, but if you think about the show Lost, that was very popular back in the day, There was a situation where a character named Sawyer was put in a cage that was normally held by zoo animals. And they had a little lever and things you push and food would fall out, okay, here. And he was obviously in a Skinner box, okay. But uh, I'll maybe find a YouTube video for you guys. But basically the idea is that our behavior is always followed by consequences, right? And, oh, by the way, this is called operant conditioning not to be confused with classical conditioning, okay? Remember, conditioning means learning. So we learn through operant conditioning and also through classical conditioning. So the idea here is that everything we do every day, everything, okay, that we think that we're choosing to do usually follows by a consequence. Something as simple as brushing your teeth, right? What happens after you brush? Is there a consequence? Well, sure, your teeth are cleaner, right? That can be objectively studied, it's cleaner. Maybe subjectively you can say that it feels better, right? But whatever that consequence is, that consequence must be there for you to continue that behavior. It's gonna feed the behavior, right? We act, a consequence is produced, it feeds that behavior. If you brush and you get a million cavities after brushing, that's a bad consequence. You might think maybe brushing isn't worth it. I got to try something else, okay? So through trial and error, this is how we start learning things. What works for us? So if something works for us and we continue a behavior, those consequences, some people say they're called rewards, but they're actually called reinforcements, okay? So have you ever heard of the term positive reinforcement? Maybe, maybe mentioned by parents? Who teach kindergarten, right? Oh, we give children positive reinforcement here, we don't spank them, right? Well, this is a skinner skinnerian idea. This is operant conditioning. How do most animal trainers train dogs? Well, they use rewards, right? Treats, hello, positive reinforcement. Okay, this is anything that will increase a behavior, and if a dog does something, you, you know, that they're not supposed to do then you don't give them the positive reinforcement you only give it when they do something you want right try this at home ladies with your husbands to try to get them to do laundry It works okay all right so in a nutshell this is what Skinner was uh, popular for was operant conditioning and again don't worry about so many details here Uh, just understand that this is a whole different way of looking at behavior right So Skinner, even though he had a very large mind, he did not want to study what was going on in there, right? He wants to study what's happening out here, right? Lights, blinking lights, actions of the mouse, okay? And you can find old YouTube videos of Skinner and do a search about the Skinner box and you'll see that he actually taught a pigeon how to play the piano. Uh, Yeah, he did. Okay, all right. Now, a lot, if you ask a lot of students, former psych students, what they remember from psychology, they'll tell you, uh, I don't remember much, but I remember the pyramid, right? And that's from Maslow, Abraham Maslow. This is another wave of psychology, different from behaviorism, different from psychoanalytic theory. This is called humanism, or you can call it humanistic psych, psychology, okay? Now this form of psychology is the the basic idea is that we were born humans are born good okay we are full of potential okay we just need the right surroundings to push us to be a better person so this is the idea throughout our lives we're trying to climb this pyramid and we have this is like a stepladder we have to meet certain needs before we even bother trying to meet these okay and we'll learn more about this in the motivation chapter so this is called humanistic psychology and this is maslow's hierarchy of needs and this is used a lot in a variety of settings to understand human behavior right and what helps us to explain our behavior okay Um, so if you think about it kind of makes common sense right if someone is homeless doesn't have the basic shelter here um, they're not gonna be too preoccupied with um, you know whether their clothing matches right Uh, whether they have uh, a good social media right, response to a post, right? Those are things that are first world problems, meaning that we have this part figured out. Now we can work on all these other things, okay? And the basic idea is that very few people ever make it to self-actualization. And the textbook will talk about how there's even a top layer here called self-transcendence. Okay, don't worry about that now, but there's another area here. And I will ask you during the course, when we get to this chapter, where do you think you are on this ladder are you in the social stage where you're just trying to figure out where you belong in in society are you working on the esteem stage of your life or you're working on your place at work what's the meaning of your life or have you reached self-actualization where there's a higher purpose than just meeting material needs okay and this is a Maslow's hierarchy of needs Now, along with Maslow, Carl Rogers also was one of the co-founders of humanistic psychology. And he was very well known for uh, a form of psychotherapy that's still popular today, which is client-centered therapy. And I was also trained in this. My doctorate is in counseling psychology, so I know this very well. And so the idea here is that uh, instead of uh, Rogers being the expert of you, I don't know why I drew a triangle, you are the expert of yourself right and the therapist is only a mirror a sounding board to help you figure things out for yourself okay so what the therapist will do is provide a protective environment to not judge you okay have you ever heard of the term unconditional love right versus conditional love you hear parents talk about that we talk about that in relationships it means you love someone no matter what, unconditional, no conditions. That idea was popularized by Rogers, and he called it positive regard. Right? Generally in life, he's saying that this is what we need. We, this is what we need to give kids to help them grow up and be strong. And therapists try to provide that for their clients. And Rogers believed that we should not call our therapy clients patients because they're not sick, they are merely clients who are having a difficult time, okay? So the patient, ah, I just messed up, see that? The book, don't use the word patient. The client is taking a lead role in the therapy session. I did not write these uh, slides, by the way. All right, so, um, and, and of course, to build trust between the therapist and client, the therapist must be genuine. And must be empathic. You can't fake that, right? Um, but in counseling psychology grad school, we actually learn these things. <laughs> we we learn them through body language, but it doesn't mean like we're faking it or acting it. What happens is that you act it, then it becomes real. Okay. We try to have our body language ma- match our intentions, right? So we've gone from psychoanalytic theory to behaviorism to humanism or humanistic psychology now because we have the development of computers now the computer became a model for understanding the mind right that's why we can use cognitive psychologists use words like input output right Uh, encoding how to encode a memory how to retrieve a memory. It sounds like computer science, right? And so, whereas before psychologists were not interested in getting inside that black box, now cognitive psychologists want to go there. They want to study it, okay? And so, of course, now we have all these MRI, different kinds of brain scans. We can look at brain activity in real time, which is really cool. So cognitive psychology is really taken off, okay? And a form of therapy that's very popular is cognitive behavioral therapy, okay? So it's a combination of behaviorism and cognitive. So we're not gonna ignore the brain anymore. We're gonna look at consequences of behavior, how to shape your behavior, but we're also gonna focus on your thinking, right? So here's an example let's talk about depression just real quick as an example and how these different perspectives matter to a behaviorist they will not ask about how you're feeling and give you a survey right because that's going into the black box instead they will look at your actions and try to change them step by step gradually you can use the same example of a phobia right an unreasonable fear of something irrational fear of something people can be treated based on these different perspectives right? a cognitive psychologist will focus on thoughts right that's what they do how do we change those negative thoughts into positive thoughts so wouldn't it be very powerful to combine the changing of thinking with the changing of behavior right that's a cognitive behavioral therapy is very popular all right So in your textbook, you'll see some other factual types of information like this about who the first woman was to earn a PhD in psychology, right? And some other types of information related to history. But I think I've talked long enough. Uh, For Chapter 1, I'm going to create Part 2, which is also still Chapter 1. And Part 2 will include different fields of psychology, that we're using today okay so think of this first lecture as focused on the history and where psychology came from in a sense Um, well we didn't really answer where psychology came from okay uh, in this particular one but in terms of the history of where psychology started and what were the popular perspectives remember behaviorism Let's start again, psychoanalytic theory, then behavioral psychology or behaviorism, then humanistic psychology. Then before that, there was structuralism and functionalism, okay? Okay guys, I'll see you in the next video. there thanks for listening to this podcast today can you do me a big favor um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field uh, go to apple podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better And if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.